Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. Today I am joined by Sarah Whale. Sarah, you're very welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. I am so happy to be on this call, Susan. Thank you so much for inviting me. We both have approached finance from different angles, but I think there's definitely some overlap and it's not the core nuts and bolts of making the numbers, but it's all the emotion around that. So yeah, so it's great to be here. Cool. It's going to be a fun podcast, Sarah. I shall try my best. (laughs) Fun for finance anyway. (laughs) There we go. Exactly. It's all relative. So Sarah, you recently set up Profit Impact to support um, SMEs to strengthen their business financial position through sustainability. Now, sustainability is one of those buzzwords, I think. And so maybe for the benefit of anyone listening can you tell us in plain English what sustainability is all about? I can. It is actually quite simple when you boil it down to what are you doing today? Will it succeed now without having a negative impact in the future? And and that's, that's all sustainability means and you can apply sustainability to anything whether it's your job your business your relationships your personal finances so it's decisions you make right now what's the impact on people planet and an economy and and that's effectively what sustainability is so it's really i think it's it's having a long-term view it's having a long-term view when you make your decisions which sounds great but how practical is that i think we're are we very shortism type focused we are we are and it is challenging and the economic system does not help us because of shareholder expectations taxations incentive schemes everything's very short term and you can have a long-term plan But if something doesn't quite go to plan, when you have these other pressures, then that's when you can revert back to short term. So it's definitely not easy. But I really believe that sustainability is a journey. And it's a journey that if you start it and, you know, you you can be super ambitious to say you want to achieve X, Y and Z in five years and, and just go for it and just absolutely push through it. Or you can take a more measured approach and 
I, I believe that businesses that are established have already got embedded commercial models, customers, supply chain. They will have to take a steadier approach. It's too radical for them and their, and their commercial model just to upend everything for them. But I, I truly think it is achievable as long as you look at it in a way that is a journey. So are there some good examples of organisations or companies who are forging the way that others could follow? There are quite a few, actually. The one at the moment, which is very high profile, is BrewDog. So BrewDog, they... they beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's beer. I've never tried it. I'm not, <laughs> not a beer drinker. But I, I follow them because they are transformational and the CEO is very charismatic and passionate about sustainability. Um, so they have actually just recently launched their commitment to positive carbon offsets. So they will add back more carbon. Wow. They're taking out. And their, their, their way of doing that and their, and their brand messaging around that is very clever. The more beer you drink, the more, <laughs> the more trees will go up. So it, 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 but it's actually very clever. But it, they do much more than that, though. Through COVID, I could see the way they were working. And, and another thing today to say about sustainability, it's not just about the environment. So one of the things they, they certainly talked about through COVID was their transparency on their financial situation. So their teams knew exactly what was going on. They didn't pull any punches. You know, they were very clear and they were like, this is going to be really tough. Well, I have to do this. We might have to do that. Um, and, but they all pulled together and worked as a team. And then they also changed their product line for a short period of time to help. I think they did, they did something around hand sanitizers from memory, but they, they certainly did something for, for PPE. So to, to me right now, 2020, they're the company that are really, you know, really leading the way, but there are many, many others. Um, there's my, you know, Mindful Chef is a great organization down in the Southwest that are, are, are quietly and steadily making a real name for themselves and, you know, doing, doing a great job. They're, they're a B Corp, actually. There's quite a few. There's many more than people think. And I guess in a way, they're just smaller companies that we don't know about, unless you actually know the product. I suppose the ones that come into my mind are Patagonia or Unilever, that are the bigger worldwide global organisations that we might all be aware of, that pro- perhaps are not 100% sustainable, but are certainly making good strides in that direction yes and i would i would completely agree with that and that is going to, in my mind that's going to be what drives the small and medium-sized businesses to really step up because the pressure is coming from the larger the larger companies i think there's a lot of good work going in the larger organizations but it kind of links back to my point in our first piece in that when you're an established business and you've got your commercial models, you know, you've got your supply chain, it's not easy. It's not easy to make the change. So the transition to become a sustainable business is, is complex. It will take time and it requires investment. Um, the good news is there's a lot of money to be gained actually to invest, to transition your business. So 
So that's, you know, that's actually really interesting. From what perspective, Sarah, do you mean? There's a number of the banks are currently looking at sustainability linked loans. So if you want to do something where you're going to transform, either you're going to do a complete transformation of your business um, or you're going to innovate in a particular area, if you can prove environmental, social and governance outcomes, your interest rate of your loan will be linked to those outcomes. And then you have to evidence those outcomes. So, so that's just one example. But there's also more and more people want their pension funds, as an example, to go into companies that are doing good and that are making an impact. I think the challenge at the moment with sustainability, it, it, it's not nailed down with regard to regulation, reporting, taxation. There's quite a number of different initiatives and reported methodologies and terminologies that it, it, it makes it harder to do, particularly for the larger companies. For the smaller companies, I, I, I think you can see your way through that and and not be scared by it and okay so you're in finance and or you have been your career has been in finance as an accountant and what brought you here Sarah so what brought me here was a classic career break of executive coaching and yoga and reflection I've always been very passionate about diversity I've done some work voluntary work getting girls into into football I've always tried to do the right thing I'm not saying I've always got there but I'm very passionate about ethics and I've come across quite a lot of business ethics so these are all things embedded into sustainability but I just didn't really know it at the time and then through my coaching and you know it took me a good four months really for the the idea to formulate in my mind. And when I started to research it, I think if a business does not go down the sustainability route, they will eventually struggle to thrive financially. Consumers, young consumers in particular, but also the older ones like myself, are more and more demanding. They want they want their their businesses that they buy from or or create contracts with to actually be doing good or to at least have an eye to, you know, have they got a good diversity policy? Are they environmentally friendly? How do they deal with their supply chain? This is what people are looking for, you know, and there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes with tech as to how tech companies can prove to consumers who these sustainable businesses are. Once that comes out, I really think it's going to be quite a big game changer. And what does that look like? And well, it's it's interesting because I don't know quite how they're going to do the mechanics. I know there's an organization in America called Datum Data Moran, I think that's how you pronounce it. They're using AI, artificial intelligence, to gurge through the web and find consumer sentiment and employee sentiment on brands. And and they're focusing on sustainability. So they are providing evidence against, or or maybe supporting businesses that are saying they're sustainable. It's really, really powerful. 
you've got the AI, then you've also got the data. And I think once the data becomes mandatory, which it will be, so once you've got to, you've got to say, right, you know, what's, what's percentage above the family minimum wage? Are you, are you paying your employees? How much carbon are you offsetting? You've got to start reporting on that. Once that data becomes legislative and it's reported, that is when it's going to become out in the public domain. Mm. And is that going to be part of the financial statements and the financial framework of an organisation and be audited by auditors or will that come in somewhere else, do you think, Sarah? Well, I think that's a really good question. The way I see that happening is that the auditing, depending on the size of business, potentially could come from finance. I think finance are best placed to audit this kind of information is is complex. So the KPIs are relatively easy to audit, relatively, depending on what it is. But I think I think what's a lot harder, and it's definitely not been solved yet, is how you can integrate and how you can calculate the financial value. So the value of your social capital or your environmental capital. I think there's been a lot of work done by a lot of people on this, but it's not standard and it's not mandated at all. It's this definitely coming. The approach that we're taking at Profit Impact at this stage, it's we're keeping things quite simple. It's saying, right, how sustainable are you today? What what drives you as a business and where would you like to get to? And then we create goals and KPIs. So we don't go down the calculating the social value of implementing a uh, a training scheme for a, for a department. We we don't do that, but we more track what the training's been. So we keep it a bit a bit more simple. I think the calculation will come, but we're just not there yet. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of exciting as well, because the work you're doing, you may be actually developing some of the calculations that are used later. Yeah, I would love to get involved in that and, and help shape it. I think the reason I quite like the way I'm approaching it is that really starting to understand the goals and the KPIs and, and, and then tracking that against financial performance because that will give you an idea once you know once there's enough critical mass in the data you can actually really start to evidence you know i don't know maybe any company that's got more than 30% female managerial roles are they more profitable season we mm-hmm. should see we should see if we can evidence that but but i think the data will really help but yeah i'd i'd love to get involved in the future on that cool so there's five pillars to sustainability I think you talk about yeah can you maybe give us an introduction into each of those five pillars Sarah yes I can so let's start with finance and governance the key one there really is around um, maybe your board mix in terms of diversity your um, attendance rates at board meetings you know is it the same old people coming along and signing off are you actually following that through, following that through properly. So have you got a whistleblower policy? Have you got a code of ethics? It, it's, it's that side of it. And 
having worked in businesses that have struggled with that, I know it's something that gets pushed to one side, but I also know it's so important. It's so important as, a, as an area. It's not exciting. It's not an exciting area. So most people glaze over, but it actually can, it can really influence the direction of a company. So then another one is your communities. And, and by that, it's really everybody that you would deal with, which are not your employees. And it's a really interesting concept, actually. So, you know, you may have a member of staff in your team and you may well be, I don't know, paying them a certain salary and they have to work in a certain place. Now, what's the impact of that on their family? Now, that's quite an advanced way of thinking, but, but that is the reality. So if you talk about, say, um, a flexible working policy when you can work from home two days a week, as an example, think about the impact that is having on that family that are at home. And it's actually very positive on the whole because, you know, that person is going to be closer to home. They're going to be home earlier. They're going to see more of their family. So it's starting to get you to think a little bit broadly. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really quite interesting. The, the other thing about the, the communities, which I think is, is quite powerful, um, is your supply chain mm. and how much you look at them as a part of, as a part of your business. And it's, it's actually really important that you do look at them as part of your business. I mean, the Boohoo incident, I, I'm, I don't know if you heard about that in the summer. Um, they, so Boohoo actually, ironically, um, high performers on the sustainability, sustainability metrics. But then it came out that their supply chain, they have factories in, in Leicester, I don't know whether it's all been proven yet, but it sounds, it sounds highly likely. So I'm going to caveat this with <laughs> any kind of legal recourse. But the staff are paying, being paid really, really low amounts of money, below, way, way below um, nationals, national living wage. And that's how that, that low rate has enabled Boohoo to either, either the suppliers profiting from it or Boohoo are able to charge low, low rates for their product, or possibly a bit of both. So that's, to me, that's a classic example of sustainability holistically. So you go into Boohoo and you buy a t-shirt because, oh, right, that's only six pound, that's great. But why is it six pound? What, what, what is the impact on the communities around that t-shirt? And I know that sounds very complex, but, but that's how we've got to this situation where we have this big wealth divide, which kind of links into the SDGs, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, but that, that's kind of the driving force behind sustainability. The wealth inequality is, is just significant. Hmm. And it, yeah. It just reminds me, I used to go in and out of Bangladesh quite a lot in my last role. And of course, you have the garment factories there. And, and it's a classic to me, out of sight, out of mind. And I do feel that as, as a society, we've allowed ourselves to be won over by consumerism and media and marketing. And you have this 
glossy front and then underneath that you've got this situation where companies are actually scrabbling to make profit and because they're scrabbling to make profit they're pushing down on their employees on their suppliers and so the cycle goes on and i think if if i was going into boohoo probably with my daughter not me to buy a t-shirt and we could see the person that was making that t-shirt and what they were being paid i think we would walk out of that shop and not buy it i, I genuinely do so that's that's a really important pillar for me the, the next one is the environment which it's you know there, there's lots there's lots of things around the environment but it is it is the big kind of issue of the decade it's a big issue so there's more and more companies um, signing up to net zero now which is neutral carbon but actually as i said with brewdog the next step actually which is which is a natural transition for companies in this decade it's not oh we're going to equalize what we're doing we're going to put back so we're going to start regenerating and that's what the most progressive companies are doing so and households that would have solar energy could also be putting back can't they if they generate excess electricity yeah, yeah they did yeah they definitely could be they definitely yeah. could be i think it's it's it is very interesting. I mean, I know in my house, we definitely have got some work to do on the environment. So I'm still working on my teenagers. But there is there is a lot of scope for the individuals to make a difference. When you look at the numbers, and, and I don't have the stats to hand, but it's something like 20% of business account for 80% of the, the carbon impact. It's that 80-20 rule. It is. It always is. <laughs> so, so really, that's, that's the pressure is on the corporates, really. So we have two more pillars. If... Yeah, sorry, yes. we do. No, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so we have also got the employees, which is another, another important piece, obviously. And the employee piece is around really how how healthy are your teams are you looking after them are you putting them in an environment where they're happy and safe and secure are you paying them fairly and that's not just are you hitting the national minimum wage do they actually have enough to to live on in the area in which they in which they live are you developing them you know or are you i mean i know for myself in the past three years I've invested quite a lot of time and you know, a reasonable amount of money in my personal development. And I wish I'd started a long time ago. So I, I really do. I know I did my accountancy qualification, but that was a long time ago. Sustainability for yourself, basically. It, it completely. It completely. And I think that had I not done what I'd done, I wouldn't be in a position where I could set this business up. So it wouldn't have been sustainable. For me so the next pillar is customers how happy are your customers are you listening to them are you taking feedback are you giving them what you want what they want rather but also what impact is your product or service having on the environment on society on the economy so it's looking at things quite holistically it really is it, i mean it really is 
it really is and and i don't want anybody to listen to this and and be really think oh my goodness this sounds really scary but but actually this is why my mantra really is simplify measure strengthen so let's keep it really simple let's find the goals that will work for your business and then let's start measuring them and let's let's strengthen your business and and that's a very some possibly may say too simplistic for sustainability but to me it makes it more more approachable actually and also of the five pillars we've talked about here i would imagine that most organizations are doing something already and they may not actually consider that as part of a sustainability strategy and they're probably doing something out of each of the five i completely agree with you and that's why when i start the very first thing i do is sarah's sustainability snapshot <laughs> i love it <laughs> you like that snazzy name i nearly put snazzy in as well but i decided not to I, I do a benchmark and I do, do the little assessment across the pillars and say, right, this is where you are now, because I completely agree. The vast majority of businesses will be doing something. They, they might not know it's, as you say, part of a sustainability strategy. So that framework, the, the snapshot, the feedback I've had has been really positive, actually. People have really, have really liked that because it's helped them I think it's articulated probably deep down what they know. So, okay, you're, you're, you're pretty good on your employees, but your governance is not so great. You know, your environment needs work, but your supply chain's good. So it's that kind of baselining, I think, is, is, is a really nice place to start. And plus you can break it down then into small steps. And I think often with, with anything you take on, achieving everything being sustainable or 100% sustainability sounds like a massive project but if you say this year we're going to focus on finance and governance for example yeah. and then next year we move on to the next and so on it breaks it down and especially if you've already started on the journey you're not starting from scratch yeah completely completely and you can build that strategy into your into your business plans as well into individual team objectives and uh, department objectives it, it 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 just then becomes embedded um so, so somebody made a, a really interesting point to me uh somebody who i spoke to who's very experienced sustainability head of sustainable finance in a large corporate and i had a really good chat with him and you know i said i was very impressed with what he was doing and the company's doing well and he said well, it's good, but really there shouldn't need to be a sustainable finance team. There should just be a finance team because this is the way businesses should run. And, and I thought, you're right, actually. And that's where we will get to as, as a world, you know, as a society, we will get there. And with people like that advocating for it as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's really important. Often people take on things like diversity or inclusion and it's like a tick box. Yeah. But actually when the people that believe in it speak up, then they become advocates. Yes, completely, completely. And the cycle gets stronger. It does. I, I view it as a great big wave that's going to come crashing down. And, and I think it's coming and I think it's 
possibly the only good thing that's come out of the coronavirus. There may well be other things, but I think it's, it's really highlighted the challenges that we face as a society um, and the opportunities as well, actually. So I do believe that the time, the time has come. I like that. That might be the name of this episode. The time has come. (laughs) But Sarah, you mentioned B Corp and SDGs. Now, loads of acronyms. Oh, I know. Tell us a little bit what B Corp is and about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Okay, so so the the B Corp is a very, very interesting not-for-profit organisation. It's a global organisation established in the US and it's where I take my pillars from. They have a very solid framework and they support businesses to be led by their mission. So a business has a mission and you, you can become a part of a B Corp if you achieve a certain set of points across the assessment. You do have to have it legally embedded into your articles that you are a business which has that mission yeah so you can't sign up to it and not do it you know it's it it becomes legal so that to me there's there's quite a few organizations around and accreditations that you can go for for me it's it's the best one because it covers all the pillars and what the the overriding philosophy about b court which i really like is they say that eventually they don't want to exist Mm. I love that. Mm. I do love that because that means that one day all businesses will will just be operating this way. It's a fantastic ambition. The challenge with B Corp is that most people I speak to haven't heard of it, but it is definitely getting traction. So it's very interesting. So I'm I have B Corp pending. You can't become a B Corp in the first year of trading. So I should be having a little B Corp party next year, I hope. And you will get an invitation. Brilliant. Um, so that's B Corp. The, the, the big thing is the SDG, Sustainable Development Goals. I think, I think they were established in 2016, I want to say. 17 goals agreed by the United Nations. And it covers pretty much every, every aspect around wealth, healthy living, um, the environment, you know, clean water, biodiversity, every aspect of your life really that Im- impacts all of us. And there's goals to achieve by 2030. People are working towards those goals. I think what is what is clear is that to achieve these goals is going to take mass transformation. It's not going to be all companies following my framework and you know and then in the end in five years time we're going to be there actually what i do is it's just like a tiny fragment to really really make change it's a complete re-engineering of how we farm how we live what energy we use how we cook and that's where there's some that's where really the investment's going so into ventures and tech that are really transforming the world. There's some intriguing things happening. Well, we, we'd have to do another podcast on that. Maybe we can do that one day. I um, think so. But 
but but that's what we need to really to protect our environment to stop this situation where you know you have this diverse terrible inequality of wealth you know that, that we struggle with and and health issues and 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 all the stuff that the vast majority of people don't want to continue. I think a, l- a lot of people might think sustainability, what we've just been talking about, is not for profit. That it's not really the way to go when you want to make profit. But And that's what intrigues me about your business concept, using the word profit with impact. Because yeah. clearly you need to make a profit <laughs> to be sustainable. Any business needs to make a profit to be sustainable. But somehow that's got lost along the way. I, I think I think it has. I think it has got lost along the way. And I think I think you've got two groups of people within the sustainability arena. You have people that are so, so concerned about the challenges that we face. And they are really concerning. They're so concerned, they're just like, right, we need to go, we need to go, we need to go. But you do have another group of people that are right, let's let's approach this in a kind of a logical, methodical way. And let's be clear. We, we can't shy away from the fact that we need to make money because unfortunately, money is what makes the world go round. We need money to pay our bills, to eat, or, or everything. So you need to you do need to generate a profit. It's all about what are you doing with that profit and are you being fair? in my mind that that that's how i view it so i i think calling my business profit impact has probably raised a few eyebrows in the sustainability arena probably but it's meant from a position actually of for the smes look let me help you understand sustainability and and one of my other services that i offer is once we've got this baseline and then we know where we want to go, right, let's really work out what, what does it cost? What's it going to cost you to change this? What's it going to save you? What benefits is it going to bring? And then ultimately, what's the profit impact of doing it? And it's, it is really important to know that. So, yeah, that's where the name came from. I stand by it and, and I like it more and more as I go through. And like I say, I think for the SME market in particular, the financials are so important. I suspect a lot of people are looking at sustainability and thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to get on with that. I need to make sure I understand it. But oh dear, look at my numbers. Yeah, I I don't know how I'm going to afford this. And and that's where I see profit impact services sitting in the middle and, and then bringing people through. Yeah, it's great. And it's a a disruption. Yeah. You know, which is always welcome because otherwise, yeah, like you said, there's two opposing camps. They're not opposing, but they're they're poles apart. Yeah. And never the twain shall meet. No. And that's not going to help anyone. So you're meeting the profit with the impact. (laughs) And there we go. Yeah, exactly. I'm bringing them together. I have always been told I'm the voice of reason. I don't know whether my husband would agree with that, but everybody else is on the voice of reason. Maybe now's my time. After spending many years working in finance, it's fantastic that people call you the voice of reason because often the finance voice is the unreasonable one in the room. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, that, that, is, that, that is how I work. The way I am, the way my brain works is I, I see both sides of, of the story. It, it can wrap me up in knots sometimes. But I do, I'm quite an empathetic person. So I, I, I understand the money and the pressure and the stress. And I understand the need to fix the planet and pay people fairly. And, and there's got to be a way through. That, there has to be a way through. You just have to make it happen. Absolutely. That's fantastic, Sarah. And like we're out of time, which is just incredible. <laughs> So we will have to have another episode another time because I'd love to learn more about you. But for now, how can people connect with you, Sarah? So please get in touch with me. I'm always keen to have, have a chat about sustainability. I've got my website, which is www.profit-impact.co.uk. I'm on Twitter, profit underscore impact. And I'm also on Instagram, profit impact. Or, or find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Whale. There's not many Sarah Whales, I don't think. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone, whether it's someone looking to move into sustainability as a career, or they're thinking about it for their business, or they just want to have a chat. You know, I like a chat. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Brilliant, Sarah. It was a pleasure chatting to you today. And um, I wish you all the best. And I hope Profit Impact makes both profit and impact. Very good, thank you, no, thank you so much. It's been really nice to talk, thanks Susan. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.